past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, And today we're going to be talking about another great topic in the careers world. And I love this um, guest that came to me out of the woodwork, out of the blue. So Kate White is here to join us today. And she has authored 12 murder mysteries, as well as some very fun career books, including the Gutsy Girl Handbook, how to it's your manifesto for success and why good girls don't get ahead but gutsy girls do now if you're a man and you're listening to the show please don't shut this off because i'm sure that we'll have some tips that will be good for you as well and kate used to be an editor editor editor-in-chief at the cosmopolitan magazine so i'm sure we're going to hear some fun stories today very (laughs) relevant to careers and kate we're glad that you're joining us here today oh thanks marie Yeah, so today we want to talk a little bit about how people can figure out what rules they should break or or bend and how they can get ahead in their careers by maybe not playing by all the rules, being a little bit gutsy and um, gritty. And one of perhaps the ideas that has gotten a little bit too mainstream Mm -hmm. and watered down a little bit is the idea of personal branding. And, you know, it is almost a cliche today. What would you say about this idea of personal branding? Do people still need to be worried about that? I actually think they do, Marie. In fact, in the book, I mentioned that it it has become a cliche uh, in the years since I first read, I think it was Tom Powers in a great Fast Company article years ago, a piece called uh, The Brand Called You. And it seems so fresh and revolutionary when he said it. Uh, I think it was even on the cover as if you were a box of Tide. But the idea of thinking of yourself as a brand, and it's been tossed around so much, and yet I still think it's really essential. You mentioned Cosmopolitan, and part of the success of that brand, we were the number one women's magazine in the world, the largest selling magazine on the newsstand in the United States. It had a very clear brand, and even though it had evolved over time, and I had to take it into the 21st century, the brand was Fun Fearless Female, and those three words, our brand statement, we stuck with it. And it really drove home for me how important it is for us to have a personal brand in terms of our profession. And I I still think it is of real value to have that. Yeah, to be able to say what you're all about. And that's, I think, what people sometimes get away with um, from the idea, that the basic idea all those years ago, 1997, 1998, I think, that article came out. <laughs> well, it's, it's also not just what you're all about, but really, most importantly, what to say yes to and what to say no to. Because I think uh, we can find ourselves with being presented with opportunities that sound good and maybe it's even a bump in salary or you you tell yourself oh this new job at the company's division in this city that's really going to help me uh, work on some weaknesses that I have 
but you really have to look at the bigger picture. Is this going to help me with where where I, I see myself going with the vision I have for my career? And your brand can shift, of course, because everything's changing so quickly. But you have to at least have something you live by at a certain point in time. Yeah, and those three words that you brought up for the Cosmopolitans, kind of their brand statement uh, that's the other piece of it that people have a hard time with is really boiling it down to what do you want to be known for because you can't be known for a million things. Right. You don't want to spread yourself too thin. You want to think about what helps make you at least a little bit unique in the marketplace. There's a great woman I interviewed for the book who works for BMW in uh, the, in in Europe now, in Germany. And what she's a brand expert uh, for... Um, Mini Coop, uh, the Mini Cooper, and one of the things she said is just come up with a list. Maybe it's 10, 12 things that really you you feel define you, and then try to boil it down to three or four words, and then use that to come up with a brand statement. It doesn't mean you have to make that your elevator pitch that you announced your brand statement in job interviews or to higher ups when you come across them in the elevator, but it is something that you can look at from time to time remind yourself of it, ask yourself if it's still valid, and use it to say yes or no. One of the things that I think helped me take Cosmo to number one and keep it there was to hold up those words, fun, fearless, female, to everything. And there were a lot of things that I said no to that I would have liked to have done in the magazine because they were interesting to me. But I felt, no, they're not on brand. It's really important to stay with our identity. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That What will you say no to? What will you say yes to? And, and that brand definition can help you decide, make those decisions. And we know that we do get so many opportunities and that <laughs> unfortunately uh-huh. creates opportunities for mistakes. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen people make early on in their careers? Well, I think one mistake people make, and I see this a lot, not so much in their early 20s, but after you get a little bit more established and you're still early in your career, is to get so caught up with managing their job and doing a good job that they don't manage their career and their success. I think it's so important to take maybe 30 minutes every week to step back and evaluate where you are. Ask yourself, am I happy? Am I too happy? Meaning I've gotten comfortable in this job. Am I challenged enough? Am I where I really want to be? Am I feeling envious of coworkers who are doing something else or a slightly different opportunity? So I, I think it's really important to do that. I also think that doing your job and doing it well is another big mistake people make. You touched, Marie, uh, in the beginning on the importance of rule breaking. And you have to come up with bold, innovative, sometimes disruptive ideas for your department and your company that drive profitability, create buzz, save money, make your boss say, wow. And if, if you haven't done anything lately that your boss said, wow, go do it. Go take that. I love that. Go, go, go run with it. You've got to ask yourself, what are you doing? Interesting. So finding those opportunities 
to not just um, be good at your job, which of course is important, but to take it that next step further and figure out a way to innovate or bring something in that that is different. That that can be scary. <laughs> right, right. That's a lot of pressure. I know. Uh, just to give you an example, when I was at Cosmo, I had a lot of terrific people working for me. But one of the things I did that other editors in the company didn't do was I did a lot of research and I looked at a lot of data. And we rated all the articles in the magazine. And what I would do is have the at young editors who were in charge of some of the smaller columns look at the ratings every month and use those as a guide to to decide on what we should be doing for the future. And just to give you an example, when I was first at Cosmo, there was a column called, I think, Your Body. And it didn't rate particularly well, but one section in it um, that dealt with you going to the gynecologist rated off the charts. So I realized, you know, what our reader really wants is a column called Your Gyno, not um, your, your body. And, or, or I guess we called it Gyno, but it was all about everything you should need about going to the gynecologist. And once we changed the focus, the ratings literally tripled, and it was one of the highest-rated columns in the magazine. These young editors had access to all this research, but rarely did they come to me and say, you know what, I've noticed this really interesting trend here. Anytime we do this, it scores really well. What if we did X? And that's the kind of thing we need to do early in our careers. We need to ask ourselves, what's missing? Uh, what could I do to solve a problem here? And because if, 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 if you don't see anything missing, you're not looking hard enough. Well, and that's a good framework for an innovation. People often are afraid of that word or think that it means you have to be really smart or really creative. And the example that you just gave requires those pieces, but it's not coming up with something from nowhere or nothing. In fact, sometimes that can be making you a loose cannon. It's taking the ideas and the data that you have and looking at it in a different way, not necessarily feeling like you have to come out of the blue with this great idea. Right. No, that's such a good point. A a lot of times it's just looking at something you may be doing and asking yourself, is there a way to give it legs or do it slightly differently than last year? Just because you always have the sales conference the same old way doesn't mean you can't shake it up. In in the book, I actually mentioned something that I found really helpful. It's so simplistic, but it really worked for me because at Cosmo, you had to be over the top. But I would ask myself the four Bs when I was working on a project. Could it be better? Could it be bigger? Could it be bolder? Could it be more badass? And it was something I used with projects, ideas, events. And it really did sometimes force me to get out of my comfort zone with the idea or project and figure out a way to give it a lot more oomph. Yeah, that's fun. It can be bigger, better, bolder, more badass. Right. And people might have their own words for those questions. But that's that's the idea, right, is thinking about how you can take something and make it better. And, and that's innovation. Um, not necessarily always thinking that it has to be a, a new idea. I love thinking about the fact that there really aren't any new ideas. It's just making it better and that that 
in the in the right way, right? Your your people were thinking about their ratings and their customers, what their customers want to see, and better in that way, not just better because they thought it was cool or you know exactly. whatever they thought. Right. Yeah. One of the things sometimes, and I see this particularly when people are really young, right out of school, they're thinking a lot about their own success. And they lose track sometimes that when you come up with a big idea, it's got to advance your company's agenda. And if it advances yours too, great. But it can't just be about what's good for you and giving you an opportunity. Your boss doesn't really care so much about that. What your boss wants to do is uh, have you come up with things that's that's going to make her look good, him look good, going to com- um, give your department an edge. So really focus on that, exactly. Yeah, how to add that value. Well, we're going to take a short break here. And um, when we come back, we'll continue talking with Kate about what you can do to take risks. We've been talking about that a little bit, how you can take risks and be disruptive. We'll continue that conversation and talk a little bit about how you can do that without falling falling down and making maybe making a, a, a statement that you don't want to make in your career. <laughs> exactly. We'll take a, a little break here and we'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and today we have Kate White with us the author of the Gutsy Girl Handbook. And we've been talking about gutsy moves that you can take in your career to get ahead, to make that statement that you want to make, 
But of course, that means that we have the <laughs> opportunity to fall on our behinds and, and perhaps make not a great statement. So we've talked a little bit about innovation and how you can do it in a good way. What other tips do you have for people in taking those risks without the negative consequences or with as little negative consequences as possible? Well, I think, first of all, it doesn't hurt if you're one of your boss's favorites. Because if you take a risk with a boss who has a lot of admiration, respect for you, then you're going to be forgiven because risk-taking is important in, in, our, in, our, in our companies. And it's seen as just part of what has to go on. And I, I certainly think it's good to get the lay of the land when you first get someplace. There was a fabulous woman senator, Barbara Mikulski, who once said to me, you got to know how the post office works before you push the envelope, which is, uh, of course, uh, mixing metaphors there. But but I think her point is right. It, you don't want to jump in there without knowing the culture and knowing how things work. But um, I think the key thing is you can start a little bit small. You can take on, uh, let's say say you're in charge of putting on uh, an event and you can certainly come up with some ideas that are different from the year before and run them by your boss and see how that person responds. I think another thing that's really important to understand, I, I love this line from Ursula Burns, who was the CEO of Xerox. She said that she loved people in her company that fixed things before they were broken. And this is where it gets a little bit scary. But if you're going to be a great disruptor, you've got to see change happening when, by keeping your ear close to the ground, by knowing that it's coming, the early signs are there, and that you're going to disrupt before it looks like you need to. I'll, I'll give you one example just from Cosmo because this worked out to be very successful for us. I started to notice whenever we interviewed young women and for jobs that they often mentioned a magazine called Maxim as one of their favorites. This is in around 2006, 2007. So it was a while ago. But it's a significant thing because Maxim was such a big magazine for guys at that point. But I found it interesting that so many women read it. And as my staff and I started to talk about this, because everyone was hearing it, we realized that the magazine just had a wonderful, cheeky tone to it. And what I think young women liked was the the, the humor and the tone. And so even, Cosmo had always been pretty over the top, as I said. But our tone hadn't been particularly cheeky, but I could see that millennial women were going to be different in what they liked, their sense of humor. And we changed the tone of the magazine. We shifted it. We kept Cosmo as fun, fearless female, but we shifted the tone. And we added some humor columns and made some changes. And we saw a huge increase in our newsstand sales within the next year or so. So that was fixing something before it was broken. No one was saying to us, you know, hey, you got to make this magazine cheekier. We just paid attention to some of that soft data we were experiencing and seeing and hearing and used that to make a change. We didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater, which would have been a dangerous change and a dangerous risk. 
So a little change that's focused on something that you're getting that will add value to the organization and the customers, which we'd kind of talked on about earlier. So starting small, I hear you saying we a lot. So I'm guessing that that's part of it too, is don't feel like you have to be that rogue agent, but get other people's feedback, do these, you know, bounce well, these ideas off of other people. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more rogue than that. I'd have to say that I say we because I had to work with my senior team to make this happen. But often the the disruptors go it alone because if you start trying to do things by committee a lot of places and, and bring a lot of people on board, it, you're going to have a hard time with change. And so if you're in any kind of leadership role, a department head, a, a team leader, you're just sometimes going to have to take the bull by the horns and and do it. And I'm a big believer sometimes in the importance of begging forgiveness rather than asking permission. So I probably wouldn't be where I am today uh, having edited a magazine like Cosmo and the four I was the editor-in-chief of before that if I hadn't been pretty rogue in my behavior. I wasn't a big committee girl. Yeah. So but your point there is, is taken in terms of what level are you at when you're just starting out in a company, maybe you don't do those big actions by yourself. Right. When you're right. the when you've got that lead position, then then that's the time where you get to take those risks and be a little bit more Rogue is maybe not the best word, but... <laughs> right. No, absolutely, Marie. And I think it doesn't mean you can't do small things when you're younger. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who's a law professor, and she said she had worked on a book, and she gave it to one of her, uh, uh, I guess, intern or assistants it to to just proofread it. And the woman came back in and had written a number of just suggestions along the way. And one suggestion even involved switching something in a chapter. And my friend was so impressed. She thought the suggestions were great. And this girl took a risk suggesting these things. And the worst that could have happened is that the professor said to her, look, uh, I appreciate you giving me your comments, but no, I like it the way it is. But she... She said to her, I love your suggestions. I'm going to go with them. And then she gave her another great assignment. Yeah, yeah. So going a little bit above and beyond and not being afraid to share that feedback, share your your knowledge, share your, your brilliance. Right. So often bosses are busy. They're preoccupied. They're not just going to say to you, hey, come up with a brilliant idea for me. But good bosses are really receptive to innovation, to change that makes sense, that has the potential to create profitability. Well, and I think you just touched on something that is often a fear I hear of people. Well, if I do that, my boss is going to be mad or they're going to think I'm trying to make them look bad. And, you know, it's easy for me to have this reaction, but my first reaction is always then they're not a, a good boss, right? You need to get right, out of there. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I think if, if you do anything that's way too rogue and make your boss look bad, that is a problem. Um, sorry, I'm in an office here and someone's phone is ringing. Let me just deal with that real quick. Uh, so I think 
you do have to step back and think, what is this going to mean for the, the, the whole operation? And what's the likelihood of me stepping in, in doo-doo by doing this? And if you feel, I've got a great boss who is going to probably, at the very least, respect the fact that I was innovative, then go for it. If you've got a boss that shuts you down with, with anything like that, then it's time to get a new boss. And one of the things I see so often when I'm out giving speeches and people come up afterwards to ask for one-on-one advice, they often talk about bosses that are crushing, that don't give them opportunities, that aren't receptive to innovation. And I think they hope that they can change those people. And the problem is you just can't. If you have that kind of boss... You, what you have to do is get out. No amount oh. of leading up, <laughs> no amount of leading up or managing up is going to fix that. No, absolutely not. So um, maybe a last question here. You you talk about the surprising secret of great leaders. What is this surprising secret? I just have to know. <laughs> it's being a great listener. And there was some really interesting research. There's, there's a professor at MIT who has done research on this, and I was fascinated by it because, Marie, look, when we think of dynamic people in the workplace, leaders, we often picture them with their mouths open, uh, talking, giving a great presentation, delivering a report, delivering a keynote, uh, getting the troops really energized of on a new project, on a new direction. So we always think of them, I think, in a very vocal way. And yet, it's so important to be a good listener. One of the things um, this uh, a fabulous person in M- MIT mentioned to me is that you, when you listen, you find out not only the known unknowns, but the unknown unknowns. And those are the things when you run a department or run a company can bite you in the butt. And a lot of times people are afraid to tell you and or you don't notice or it doesn't come up in the routine activities you have. But if you set up opportunities where people feel comfortable sharing with you and you don't jump on them or jump down their throats with your, with, with their, when you hear from them, that can put you in a really great position because you're getting info that you need. Wonderful. Yes, oftentimes we think about charisma as talking and charisma and good leadership is so much more in the listening. So before we go today and and before you leave us, I want to give you an opportunity to share with people where they can connect with you and where they can find these great books. Oh, thanks so much. My website for my career books is katewhitespeaks.com and that's where also you can find out information about me as a speaker. I do a lot of keynote speaking. If you're interested in my murder mysteries, they're at katewhite.com. They've been great fun to do. I just handed in my 13th. And I'm on uh, on LinkedIn, of course, uh, Twitter, Kate M. White, on Facebook at Kate uh, White Author. And just um, any place you want to shop for books, you can find my books, uh, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or indie bookstores as well. 
And the Gutsy Girl Handbook is available all those places. Wonderful. So, Kate, we've so enjoyed having you on this show. Listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back and kind of operationalize some of this. But we'll say goodbye to Kate for now. And thank you so much for sharing with us your your tips from the Gutsy Girl Handbook and why good girls don't get ahead, but gutsy girls do. Thank you, Mary. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you tapped your full potential as a leader? Sometimes you have to go a little deeper and connect with your inner force. Join host Angela King as she invites you to discover something that already lies within you and helps you become a better leader. Your most important connection is the one you have with yourself. It's time to connect, ignite, and rise. It's time for Inner Force. Tune in live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we've had our guest with us today, Kate White, talking about the Gutsy Girl Handbook and ways that you can get ahead in your career. And, you know, this information has really been good for men and women, not just girls, but that idea that when you are getting started in your career, how can you take some of these risks and and stand out a little bit? And then how can you continue to do that as you perhaps move up or, or into some kind of leadership role or just deeper into your career? So she talked a little bit at the beginning about branding, and I always find it interesting that this word, people try to 
say it's a cliche. They try to say that it's it's not what it is. And when you really look at it, and we, we talk about it in this show, of course, quite a bit, that it's really about your core. Who are you? What do you want? What do you offer? What's your value to people? And she talked about, you know, kind of getting down to that brand statement. And one of her colleagues who recommends to people to write down a list of things that they are about and then kind of whittle those down to three or four. That's a great way to do it. Of course, you know, the personal branding process can also be something that that you go more deeper into. And we do that as coaches with, with folks and people do it alone with books or whatever you want to do. What's your why with Simon Sinek or the reach personal branding process that, that our coaches do. Lots of different processes that can take you through the journey of defining what does that really look like. And I loved her addition to that, that once you have that definition of your brand, who are you, what do you do, what value do you want to offer, what's your voice, if you will, that then you know what to say yes and what to say no to and what are what opportunities are going to be the right opportunities for you. And perhaps as we connect this to the rest of the conversation, what risks are going to be the risks you want to take because they fit with that brand of, of who you are and, and who you want to be in addition to, as very well pointed out, the value that those risks will add for your your company and and your business. Now, part of our our being gutsy is actually kind of boring. That she talked about making sure that you're keeping in touch with are you where you want to be, and that sounds really boring, right? To just think about on a and she suggested weekly to touch base with are you want to be and where you want to be in your career, the gutsy part is going to come with being real there. And when you're not where you want to be, what are you going to do to get there and not just ride along on the wave, but actually take those actions that will get you where you want to go, that will help you use your strengths at work or achieve the goals you want to achieve financially in what you do, with whom you work, what types of companies, where you live, whatever those risks are that pop up, that's where the gutsy is going to come in. Do you have what it takes to make the moves you need to make to get there? And we're not talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about risks that are, oh my gosh, I can't believe anyone would ever do that. We're talking about little decisions, little risks that you take along the way to move yourself in the direction you want to go. Not talking about quitting your job and, you know, doing something ridiculous. Although sometimes people do take those risks and that's great. I think a lot of times when people think about risk or they hear someone say, you know, you're going to have to make a move or make an action or, or take a risk, they think of it as this thing that only people who have some kind of luxury get to do. And the truth is that if we don't take those risks, we never get to that point of having luxury. We're not talking about huge risks, we're talking about risks that fit for you. Bringing up some new ideas, taking data and making suggestions, being 
innovative in the way something little is done at work. Or maybe even the risk is just communicating to your boss what you want more out of, what you want more of, what you want more in your job. It doesn't have to be this huge only people with money or, you know, whatever obstacles you start to throw up around that idea. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about doing something that adds value to you and your company, which most of the time isn't going to be a huge throw the baby out of out with the bathwater, as, as Kate was telling her story. So I've got colleagues that work with people in entry-level jobs, and they say to me, Marie, how can they take risks? Again, looking at a process, making a suggestion for improvement, talking to their manager about what they want more out of. Those are all risks. They're that person stepping out, but they aren't, you know, quit your job when you need a paycheck kind of risks. That branding piece also, interestingly, kind of connected to what um, Kate was talking about later. And she's giving a story, telling a story about how at, at Cosmopolitan Magazine, they saw the tone shifting, that millennials wanted a different kind of humor, a different kind of, of tone in the magazine's communication. And they were getting beat out by a competitor because of that. Your tone is also part of your brand. And all of us have a tone in which we communicate every day. This is part of something that you can control. You want it to be authentic to you, but you also want to pay attention to how does that tone connect with your audience. So she said the the tone of Cosmo was already that fun tone. And when they made this discovery, they changed the tone, but that didn't change Cosmo's brand. So your tone as an individual contributor may be supportive. Let's say you're that person who's always um, supporting the ideas of others and, and your tone is really to be collaborative. And then when you move up into leadership, as Kate was saying, really to take the bull by the horns and be a, a leader there might require stepping out and doing some things without consensus So you change your tone a little bit, but you're still that same core brand of someone who's collaborative, works with the team. Yes, you go out and you make some of those more bold actions every once in a while, but that doesn't change your core brand. That's just your tone of maybe how you're communicating. So the the tone of, of what your communication is may shift a little bit depending on the audience and what they they need. But that base communication, that base um, goal of your communication is part of your your brand, your your heart, your voice, whatever you want to call it. So I thought that was interesting that she used that example of tone and how they shifted their tone and how that really is tied back to branding. And people always get confused there as well. You know, are you telling me to be authentic or to speak to my audience? And the truth is that a good brand does both. It's authentic. It also takes into account the audience because you're not a good communicator if you're not thinking about how to connect with that person across from you. It doesn't mean you change who you are, but it means that you think about how you communicate who you are 
in a way that will connect with that person sitting across from you. What is their language? How are they going to hear it best? And as we were going through this show, I started to think about my my listeners in Japan. We have a, a fairly large listener base in Japan, and I think a growing listener base in Singapore based on some relationships that I made at, at a conference a month or so ago. Do these ideas make sense to that audience? I think the ideas and the concepts work. People in any kind of company still need to think about how they can make things better, how they communicate that in Japan is going to be different. Being rogue probably will not be seen as a, as a positive, even as a leader in some of the some cultures, maybe not Japan, but in some cultures. So thinking about that audience is important, hard to do when you have a broad audience like this show does. But if you're really thinking about who your audience is, you might choose different language and figure out how to communicate this same authentic self to them in a way that connects with them. This ties in to the idea of listening. The secret, as Kate said, the, the secret of great leaders is great listening. It's not being this idea of wildly charismatic CEO that we have in our head, that person who, you know, lights up a room. If you really watch the people who truly have presence in a room, a lot of times it's because they are great listeners. So great listening is about connection. People who are all about self struggle because eventually, even if they are charming, People stop listening because we get tired of someone talking about themselves or being all about themselves. Even if they're talking about others, those people who are really all about themselves are hard to listen to. I heard a speaker once that came in for an event and everyone was so excited about her. And um, perhaps because there was a lot of entertainment going on in the speech, she got away with it with some people. But I immediately felt this disconnect because she was all about her. Every story she told was about her and how she'd overcome this or overcome that. And it didn't really connect with the audience at all because there wasn't any question or opportunity for the audience to think about how they had felt similar or how they'd been in a similar situation. And that's what helps a good speaker, a good communicator connect to the audience is is that exchange. Now, great listening also doesn't happen if the person is all about the other. This is kind of counterintuitive. Well, isn't that what you're telling me to do? But you've seen those people, too, where they are really great about being all about the other person and listening. They never share anything about themselves. They never make any kind of connection to you. They never tell any story that connects you to their life. It's it's very shallow in some ways because it's really all always about you, but almost in a way to deflect from them or hide their truth self because they're so busy asking you questions. And that doesn't work either. Great listening is a connection where the person who's listening is is paying attention to the other and asking about the other, but also not afraid to share and build connection by being open with the person that they're talking to. And great leaders do this. Great coaches do this, where you are all about the other and you're asking those great questions. 
And then you also find those appropriate times to share so that you build a connection with that listener on the other side of the table. And this is true for any type kind of communication, written communication or, you know, sitting face to face to someone and also blogging, all of those types of conversations you might have to express your opinions or connect with others or market yourself. They're the best when they think about that audience, but they also make that connection between the two, not just focused on the other. So we're going to take a short break, come back and share just a little bit more about being a great listener and then close up with some of the ideas around innovation and some specifics around how you can be more innovative in your work. We'll be right back in just a little bit. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Kate White, author of The Gutsy Girl Handbook, and why good girls don't get ahead, but gutsy girls do, really looking at how you can stand out in your work from the very beginning of your career to even as as a leader, how you can make some of those positive statements. 
She talked about one of the secrets of effective leaders being good listening. So we've been talking about that a little bit and just wanted to kind of operationalize that for you. What gets in the way of our listening? And this is the top seven poor listening habits. Learned this from my colleague, my colleague, and she um, is an emotional intelligence expert. So I love this idea of kind of operationalizing emotional intelligence, also um, listening itself, why are we bad at it, how do we be better at it, and uh, Deborah Westcott, Deborah Westcott, she's the EQ coach, and I really enjoy her, her trainings. So the seven poor listening habits. First one, making judgment about the speaker or the content. So you're sitting back and you're thinking, the speaker's really bad. They say, um, all the time, so all the time. Or the content, this is something I already know. When you start to have those thoughts, you're automatically not listening. You're not listening. And then you're not connecting with the person. When you are trying to do those things, trying to take in what someone is saying, or you're trying to connect with the speaker, you'll want to stop those thoughts in your head as soon as possible. Those judgments about the speaker, judgments about the content. Second one, just not being present, right? Not being there, not not really listening, daydreaming about something else, thinking about something else, Um, that kind of goes with number four, being distracted with other thoughts. Interrupting the speaker before they finish. This is, you know, usually we have one or two of these habits that get in our way. Um, Interrupting tends to be those really high driver personalities that are wanting to get, get, move on, get to the point, right? Bullet it for me. And those interruptions are you're not listening, you're not building the connection. So if you are that person, you see that happening to yourself, you hear that coming from you, find those ways to think about how you can avoid interrupting. Sometimes people have a physical thing where they'll, you know, hold their hands together or do something to remind themselves physically to wait. Sometimes counting works. So making yourself have a one or two second count of silence before you speak can help prevent that that interruption. Jumping in to solve the problem. I think we like to pin this on males, but females who have certain personality types are just as commonly doing it. If that's you who like to jump in and solve the problem before you've really listened to what it is, maybe asking a question. So before I can offer any advice or or problem solve with someone, I have to ask at least one question. Dale Carnegie it, right? Letting your emotions get in the way of listening. So you get upset, you get excited, right? That's a good thing, but it still means you aren't listening. Whatever those uh, emotions are, if you tend to be that person that has those emotion reactions, you can usually feel that physically. So anxiety or excitement or even kind of anger, frustration, all have very physical manifestations in our body. So when you feel that to say, you know, okay, I'm going to listen, I'm going to finish listening first, 
and help kind of control that emotional reaction. And then the last one, making it all about me. So instead of listening and understanding or or listening to hear what the person's saying, I'm thinking about the cool story I can one-up you with, right? And most of the time we don't think about it that way. It just comes out that way. And we maybe be thinking about, oh, a story about me that will help show them I can connect. But is it really about them or is it about you? That can be a hard place to figure out. Usually when you're in the middle of telling your story, you realize, oh, this isn't about me. It's, or this isn't about them. This is about me wanting to tell my cool story. Start catching yourself doing that and figuring out how you want to handle it differently next time. So good listening, one of those secrets, I love that. There's a new Simon Sinek video out um, where he talks about being the last one to speak in the room. Awesome, awesome leadership strategy. Instead of being the one who puts out the idea first and then what is everybody going to do? They're going to follow in line. You're not going to get the great ideas. You're not going to get the innovation. If you are a leader and, and you really want to encourage innovation among your team, watch, find that Simon Sinek video about, you know, leaders talk last or something. I think it might be it really gets to the basics. The core is it. You don't share first. You wait for the whole team to share first so that you get those great ideas. And that, that idea that then you can know what you don't know instead of just putting out there what you already know and having really most of the time people are just going to repeat it back to you. Maybe make a few tweaks, but definitely not innovate as much as they could. And fix things before they're broken. That was one of the other takeaways I wrote down from Kate. You know, if you want to be innovative, you want to think about how you can do things differently. It doesn't have to be big. Think about how you can identify problems before their problems, paying attention, going to meetings, really listening, all of those will help you. Looking at trends in your industry, many of the things that we talk about on the show all the time. And start small, look at ways that you can make improvements, especially if you're not in that leadership position. If you are in that leadership position, it may be time to take the bull by the horns and and do it make those decisions, take those risks. No matter what level you're at in your career, you are in charge of your career. And you hopefully will have the opportunity to take those risks, small and big, to get where you want to go. But you can't do that if you don't know who you are, what you want, and the value that you want to offer. Keep working on defining that and making note of what you want more of in your career. So you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And of course, we'll be here to help you along the way on the Career Confidant. We'll be here next week with a great topic, a a leadership topic again around conflict. Important for us at any level of our career to know how to deal with conflict. And you can reach out to me in the meantime at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. 
Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. We'll be right back. 